Ladies and gentlemen, happy Sunday here to you. Hope you all are having a great weekend. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. We are live in the 702 in Las Vegas, wherever and however you may be watching and listening today. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is where you can like and follow all social media platforms down below. And also subscribe to the two YouTube channels here. The home of the Snake Sports Talk Show, that is the Spotlight Sports Network and the Snake Sports Talk Show as well. And also, follow me on Spotify for all of my latest podcast episodes as well. Um, hope you all are having a really, really good weekend. Beautiful Sunday morning here in the Vegas Valley. Um, good, Great morning, really, to talk all about sports. And I know I, I unloaded an awful lot yesterday. Um, we just had so many things that were stacked and piled up, but I'm happy to be with all of you this morning. It's going to be a great show and uh, can't wait to get all of it started. So, you know, um, I mentioned about it yesterday and I'm going to end up uh, shifting over to this segment here this morning. Uh, so, um, so I already know that there was an upset in hockey. That was the Edmonton Oilers yesterday against the Chicago Blackhawks. And there's going to be another one today. And that is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm saying, I'm very, very, very much saying this confidently that Toronto, they paid their forwards big time money and they're struggling at most of their uh, positions. And it's not looking good for Toronto, especially with their backs against the wall and a team like Columbus that nobody in this playoff you know in this playoff series should sleep on. I'm not saying they're going to be a big impactful team, but they are ones that sometimes have a few trick up their sleeves. I didn't think this team was going to be very impactful until their newest goaltender Elvis Merz Lincoln started coming into the scene and then Zach Wierenski is on a whole different level, but he's playing really really good defensive hockey. But Toronto up to this point, they've lost Jake Muzzin and Frederick Anderson. There are times where he doesn't look solid behind the net. And that's one of the issues that I've had with Toronto, watching them for the last couple of seasons and the positions that they are sitting in as of currently. And they paid forwards deep. They paid them top dollars. And the only thing that you would hope is that the offense would have been lit on fire. The offense didn't come alive until the last five minutes of the third period. That's not really a good showing if I'm Toronto. Even though, yeah, they won, but still, it took you this long to finally get the offense going. That's one that you would expect. Look, first period is always an introduction, but by the second and third period, you should already know what your identity is and you should already have an idea when you come back onto the ice how aggressive the offense needs to get. That's one of the issues that Toronto has had struggles with all season long. They lost to an emergency goaltender in one of their games. And it hasn't looked great since the coaching move. And look, I love Mike Babcock. You know, and there was some of the baggage that he has personally, but man, he is a damn good coach. I remember the days when he was up in uh, Detroit. You know, his team was very, very solid. But then coming into Toronto, they have really good players. Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner. And they bring on John Tavares, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, uh, Tyson Berry, Kasperi Kapanen, Andreas Johnson. They have some real good players. But the problem of it is now... Because with all these forwards that are being paid top dollars, who are the who are going to be the ones that spark up the offense? That's one of the big issues for Toronto. Because they have a lot of really good forwards. And it's kind of something that I, I thought was um was going to be the struggles. Remember when Kevin Durant joined Golden State, who was going to end up getting the final shot? This is what's happening with Toronto. Who's going to get the final shot? Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, either one of them. But this is where the team has to click at all cylinders. 
But I can guarantee you right now, Toronto's going to get upset today against Columbus. It's not going to look good for Toronto. I feel like that at this point, they're going to start to implode. They're going to start imploding because paying all your forwards top dollars, but not even looking at some of the most important components on, you know, on defense, part of it on goaltending, it's not good. Not good for Toronto whatsoever. And they are the second hub city team that is hosting the Stanley Cup playoffs. Edmonton's knocked out. Toronto might be the next team to get knocked out. It's not good. And that is something that the Maple Leafs, I'm sure, are going to have to look back at this and they're going to have to readjust and find they they need they need something else. They need something different to get this team going because right now uh, here's the thing. On paper, they look like a really good team. But by the time that they're out there on the ice, especially in the second half of the season, going into the playoffs, their biggest kryptonite has always been the Boston Bruins. But this time, the Bruins are not playing them. They're playing Columbus. There is no excuses to this. So the second they lose to Columbus, Toronto's going to going to implode. It's not going to look great for the team, and they're going to have to readjust everything heavily in order for them to, to at least get this right. If you want to be an intimidating team in the NHL, you got to fix all of your components. That's the one thing that will keep you up in this league. Let me shift to this because I want to talk a little bit more on NBA. Um, I noticed one of the comments, uh, the Suns are going, uh, they're going wild, 5-0 and in this whole bubble. And you know what? It's interesting because, uh, listen, I, I, the Suns, Looked real good. Devin Booker is looking really, really good. He's benefiting from this bubble. Uh, there are a bunch of teams that are benefiting through this bubble, some of which um, have some concerns. I'm not too heavily concerned on some teams, but there are some that kind of raise an eyebrow that I feel like they're going to need to fix this fast before the playoffs start to happen. And that is where... Um, a lot of these teams need to readjust. But I want to talk about one specific team. And this is one that I truly, truly love. So Portland, as I mentioned before, Portland is a team that is really benefiting from this bubble. Why is that? Well, Dame, he play, you know, he plays his own game. And Damian Lillard is probably one of the best shooters outside of Steph Curry in this league. He shoots great threes. He's a very good ball distributor, and he's very good at shooting efficiencies. Whether it's a mid-range jumper, layups, or you got you to gotta shoot one behind the arc. He's got a real good... Um, he's got a really good wingman, CJ McCollum a guy that is willing to pick up points that is needed in order to keep Portland in games. Here's the other thing. Yusef Nurkic is finally healthy. He's out on the floor. There are a bunch of guys here on this roster that I'll argue, I'm not saying that they're the best of the best, but they are a team that I don't sleep on. Because as long as Dame, CJ, and... Uh, a, a bunch of real good role players in Portland's uh, organization. As long as they click on all cylinders, Portland may not be a team to mess with. But the reason that I'm talking about Portland is because of one specific player, Carmelo Anthony. You know what's interesting is the second you saw Carmelo take the deal into Portland, he has become a completely different player. And I truly believe that Carmelo finally gets it in this league. Listen, my knock on Carmelo was never about his skills. It never was. I think he's a really good mid-range jumper um, shooter. And I do believe that he has real good athleticism and he's a hell of a player. Definitely a future Hall of Famer. There's no question or no doubt about that. But... The only knock I had on Carmelo was the maturity thing. 
Why do you think that there were so many gigs that didn't happen for Mello? I mean, were times where he wasn't even invited to the the Olymp you know, the Olympic team. And not a whole lot of contracts were given his way after Houston and after New York and after Oklahoma City. But here's the only knock. Oklahoma City, you already knew Russell Westbrook is not a guy that um, that really truly keeps a lot of those superstars. Didn't keep Harden. Didn't keep uh, Kevin Durant. Didn't keep Kendrick Perkins. He tried with Paul George. Paul George went elsewhere. And now he's in a better duo group with Kawhi Leonard. But then you go to Houston and you join James Harden and still things aren't aren't as good. It was getting to the point where the gigs were starting to slim down. Hell, Mello was close to retiring if he couldn't even get a contract. But this is one thing that I love about Portland. Portland saw the idea that it wasn't just about Carmelo's skills, but the fact that you have Damian Lillard C.J. McCollum, and some real good players on this team. And they're not talked about a whole lot. They really are not. They're the ones that are kind of, they're not on the radar, but you know they're there. They just don't get talked a lot on the press. They don't get talked a lot on media. I mean, think about it. Damian Lillard went to school <laughs> at Weber State, and, um, and he goes to Portland, and he's not on the news all the time. Versus so many, like, uh, you know, a lot of players who are celebrities, they're big-time names, they're big-time icons. Dame just plays his game. Doesn't really care a whole lot about anything else. So, once Portland gave Melo the contract, this felt like a fresh, brand-new set of eyes for Melo to finally elevate his game. Much later than what all of us like had anticipated with Melo. But he's finally figuring it out. Because this game has evolved. It's evolved to the point it's a shooter's league. And everybody's shooting beyond the arc. Everybody is shooting for important second-chance shots. And plus, too, when it comes to defense, there's smart defenses out there. And they're really, really tough. And the big man, they don't really get a whole lot of love nowadays. Even though that I, I argue and say, well, they still do play an important role when it comes to um, tough basketball, the physical part of basketball. They still do, but it is mostly a shooter's league. And Melo is starting to figure that out because look, LeBron James, what did he do? He worked on his three-point shots. The second the league changed and started evolving its game, he had to get acclimated to it. How about others? Chris Paul. Chris, Oklahoma City was never supposed to be like this big-time team. But Chris Paul changed that and said otherwise. And so now Oklahoma City is an interesting team in the West. But even he had to elevate his game. And he did that beautifully here in Oklahoma City. But Mello, even though that he has a real good mid-range jumper, never elevated his game. Never elevated his game. Never to the point where he's working on three-point shots. He's trying to get acclimated and trying to get with the program in the NBA. And that's why you look at some of the maturities. And Mello's maturity level was not sound. Because of the fact of the league is changing. The league's evolving, and he's not getting acclimated to it. LeBron, he's a Swiss Army knife. He gets acclimated to anything. And there were a bunch of veterans who got acclimated to the change of basketball. Lots of them. That now that that's the new that's the new thing. But Carmelo, finally, after all this time, he's starting to get it. Because listen. This kind of goes on with a lot of people, you know, especially in everyday life. You don't like when it comes to businesses 
And when you look at some, you know, certain employees, you don't just look by their work ethic, but you look at their maturity and how that they handle certain situations. The ones who very much act upon instinct and they're successful at it. And they're the ones that are really holding the fort down. Those are the ones that usually get a lot more of those gigs. They get a lot more of those opportunities where versus somebody that has developed the skill, but is not really truly looking to elevate the skill to a higher level. Those are usually the ones that they either stay put where they are or they don't last very long. It happens. But here's the other thing there too. And this also kind of bases upon um, relationships because to me, I'm an old school person. When it comes to relationships, I'm all about what's the maturity level like? Because first and foremost, you don't look at a person based upon outside, um, outside features. Okay. Everyone, anybody can be beautiful in this world. That is how I view it. But the real attraction is where you look at the maturity level. What draws your interest? Where's the curiosity part of it? That is something that in Carmelo, for a long time, the maturity level was not sound. And that was, and like I said, the skill and all that Melo possesses was never my knock on him. My knock was definitely on the maturity side. Was he ever going to figure it out in this league? Um, that, that was a question left to be said. But now being a part of Portland, I think was probably the best thing that's ever happened to Melo. And I think he's going to get better and better. And maybe something where I think it might be a last hurrah for him. Now, I'm not sure how Portland might favor in this bubble, but they're looking good. But Portland now is getting the best version of Melo. They're getting the better, matured Carmelo Anthony. T took long enough, but Melo is finally starting to get it. And that's kind of something that I wanted to point out. Um, because I, I just think that, you know, you haven't heard a whole lot from Melo, and which is interesting. But I think we finally come to terms, he's finally getting it. And that happens sometimes. It's a reality check for a lot of us. Hell, I have my own reality checks. So do many of you, I'm sure, and a lot more people in this world. And sometimes it either comes sooner than later or later than sooner. But however way it gets to you, if it doesn't elevate you in the end, it, it won't make you a better person. But this is where now Melo's starting to figure it out and he's becoming a better person and a better player through this process. Coming up next, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit more on the NBA as well because we're kind of closing in, uh, getting close to the playoffs. And there are a bunch of teams right now that are benefiting through this bubble. But then there are some teams that I'm kind of raising an eyebrow and think that might be trouble for some teams going forward into the playoffs. I'll explain more of that later coming up on the Snake Sports Talk Show.
By the way, if you're all just tuning in here on the Snake Sports Talk Show, I really do appreciate all of you and welcome here onto the show. So excited to be here on a Sunday morning here with all of you. Um, you know, there's something that's also been kind of pointing into my attention, and hopefully soon uh, I may have a guest that might come on here into this uh, the Snake Sports Talk Show, still kind of on the standbys here. Um, but there is one specific topic that I wanted to shift on to before having to shift back into the NBA. Um, but here is what's interesting that we're all kind of starting to figure out at this point, and this is all in the NFL and it's all with one specific player and one specific team. So, um, you know, because we, we recently, um, you know, we recently ended up talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers. You know, we started to talk an awful lot about Aaron Rodgers and all of the things that have been going on with him throughout the career. And a lot of people will say otherwise. Lots and lots of people have had several responses about Aaron Rodgers and how this whole thing has been kind of brought about. Well, Aaron Rodgers never got support. Green Bay wasted away the talent. One Super Bowl, there should have been more. I couldn't have agreed more with that. But here's now one transition that's happening for the Packers. And the Packers, honestly, regardless of the support, they don't really attract a whole lot of big-time free agents. Think about it. Green Bay is one of the oldest, um, and I, I would and, and to me, one of the most traditional teams in the NFL. I mean, the first of many, a lot of them. And... Green Bay is up to this point now where this year they moved up a bunch of spots and they went and got a quarterback in Jordan Love. And a lot of people already kind of have this sense. They already have this idea. They already have this understanding that, you know, it has a feeling that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be in Green Bay for long. And I am making that point that I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to finish his career in Green Bay. It's just not going to happen. Because if you think about over the years in Green Bay's history, because this was the kind of thing that happened with Brett Favre. You know, and Favre was traded to Green Bay after Atlanta and won one Super Bowl. Could have won multiple Super Bowls. But once again, the talent and everything else that should have been built around him was not there. And then eventually, later, it came in late. But then that's when Green Bay drafted a quarterback out of NorCal in Aaron Rodgers. And that's when they started to develop his talent. The one player who sat the longest and was even drafted in the high rounds, Aaron Rodgers. He sat for a couple of years until finally when Brett Favre left, they started working on his talent. They started working on his game. And now we're at the point where we see the same thing happen with Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love, Green Bay picks him. And the only thought is Aaron is not going to be a Packer. Not going to be a Packer for long. He's not going to finish up his career in Green Bay. And what's interesting about this is that, listen, like how it happened with Brett Favre. He moved on from Green Bay to go to the Jets, which honestly made no sense to me. But it got better the second he went to Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers up to this point, I may guarantee you, now I'm not sure if that could be a potential possibility. I don't think it would. Um, that if he went back to his roots in San Francisco, I very much doubt that. Because, look, they got a really good thing in Jimmy Garoppolo. And Kyle Shanahan, he really loves the system, loves his players. I doubt that Aaron Rodgers would be going to a team like San Francisco, even though he's a NorCal kid. But I seriously doubt that that would be, um, that that would be the case. But I do believe that I think he might end up going into uh, a different team. And a lot of people have been telling me this, that he might end up dropping – Green Bay to go and join Chicago. But here's the thing about Chicago as well. 
Now that would be interesting if Aaron Rodgers was the was uh to leave Green Bay, join the Chicago Bears, and that would be an interesting team indeed. But here's the one thing. They've got only one thing they have to prove is Mitch Trubisky is not capable in this league. He's not cut out for this league. That is the only thing that Chicago has to prove because we've seen X amount of years of Mitch Trubisky in this league. Last year was a complete dud, and it was one that was no excuses whatsoever. Now that they've got some real good pieces and they've got real good protection for, uh, for Trubisky, Hopefully now his game will start to elevate, but only time will tell. But the fact of the matter is, and you already look at that NFC North. Right now you kind of see Chicago. They'll be an interesting team. They'll be a much better improved team. Minnesota, they don't look like a team that's going to be slowing down. They got Justin Jefferson to replace uh, Stefan Diggs, and they did get at least some real good defensive secondaries. Because... Remember, it is a passing league this year, like in this league. It's a passing league. And Minnesota's got at least some of the real good and right components. And look, we ain't even going into Detroit. Detroit is a complete mess. And Matthew Stafford, I feel like he might finish his career there. But if I'm Matt Stafford, I probably would not. But then again, injury after injury, It's not looking good on his end. But long story short with Aaron Rodgers, the fact of the matter is Green Bay knew what they were getting into the second that they drafted Jordan Love. Because at this point, Aaron is now starting to speak to the team. Look, I'm getting older. And my shoulder, my collarbone has not felt the same. Okay, not the same player as I once was. And Aaron is not afraid to speak that out. Green Bay has been talking, like they've been kind of, they've been kind of blocking out this whole conversation. They've been avoiding the conversation the whole time. But Aaron was not afraid to have that conversation with them. And it kind of tells you about Green Bay, an awful lot about it. That's why I don't think Aaron Rodgers, I feel like it may be his last year this year in a Green Bay Packers uniform, but he won't finish his career in Green Bay. That's kind of the 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 spoken reality, and that is the truth that may be happening in that organization. Aaron Rodgers, he's going to end up moving elsewhere, but the fact of the matter is you spent long amount of time With Aaron, only one Super Bowl win could have had multiples. But instead, once most of the players left, there there was no replacements for him. There were real good players. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Devontae Adams is a really good number one wide receiver. Hell, Hell, he's a good wide receiver in this league. Aaron Jones, he's a running and catching type running back. He's capable of playing in this league. But where's the rest of the support? And the offensive line has had a couple of pieces moved, yet they picked up a few more pieces, but it just doesn't seem like Green Bay has really meshed this whole thing in keeping this Aaron Rodgers relationship alive. And that is something that I think Aaron is starting to realize and he's starting to see. And that's where I feel like it it's not going to last very long for Aaron and Green Bay. That's just the that's just the unspoken reality. Time now for the hot press. So there have been a couple of uh, news reports, and currently, right now, what's going on? You have the PGA Championships uh, right now. Currently, you got Dustin Johnson up at minus nine. Uh, Brooks Kepka minus seven. So there that's currently going on. If you guys want to check that out for all of the golf fanatics out there. Um, you know, there are a couple of stories that have hit, and there was one about Zion and Zion's uh future for the Pelicans, and especially uh what his benefits are in the bubble. 
Now, I've said this multiple times that, you know, for Zion, Zion is a big-time impactful player for New Orleans. And New Orleans have been cutting his time short because a lot of people will say, well, he's too heavy. He, he's got to lose the weight. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. Listen, he's got a lot of time on his hands, and a lot of people, too, are kind of um, – they're kind of tiptoeing on this ligament injury. Now, again, ligaments are the most important things for an athlete and for anybody, especially in everyday life. Um, but the thing of it is, is Zion is a young kid, and he's got a lot of time on his hands. And he can elevate his game. And, he's all, and his presence alone has really skyrocketed the NBA views. You know, that's the one thing that we've noticed how impactful – Zion really is. The second you see the name Zion, a lot of people now start to get attracted to it. You know, and that and that and that's what's really helped the NBA even throughout this whole bubble. The fact that the Pelicans are playing and playing for their chances in playoffs, like that's one of the things that has really boosted the ratings up for this league. And trust me, during the shutdowns, there were a couple of leagues that have been slowly opening up. But the fact of the matter is, is that once New Orleans was in and Zion was there on television, everybody tuned in because they love watching Zion. They love watching the uh, the talents and the um, the remarkable plays he makes on the court. And those are one of the things that I think in the future for Zion is going to be one that's really going to change the face of this league. And I think one that's going to really elevate. Now, there aren't a whole lot of people that are built like his. You know, there no, there's not a whole lot of NBA players that are built like his size. Because a lot of these big-time, um, strong, stocky guys don't usually last a whole lot in the NBA. And which is interesting. But I think in Zion's future, I think he's going to be just fine. Like I said, they already worked on trying to get a trainer and a dietary program as well in uh, in place for him. And trust me, he's going to be the one player that's going to elevate his game to an even higher level. So um, last night was a big time night for Luka Doncic and the um, and the Dallas Mavericks. Luka ended up getting 19 assists and stole the show against the, uh, the Bucks and. Um, and this was this was a huge one. Now, this is another interesting one. And I do like the Dallas Mavericks. I like the fact of how the team has really kind of elevated around. Um, but this is where Luka Doncic, I think he's starting to understand it as well. And he's played this way even before coming into the States and playing in the NBA. He understands competition and where competition is there. So being in this bubble and playing these games, and especially against teams like the Bucks against Giannis, he's starting to realize where the competition all is. And that may be something that's going to elevate Dallas in the near future. Because watching Luka Doncic, he's a future MVP. He is a future MVP in this league, and it's only a matter of time. Because the skills he possesses, the shots, um, the intensity that he brings onto the court is unlike any I've ever seen in the NBA. Now, again, we are getting some younger talents in Zion and so many others. But once Lucas stepped foot into the States and into the NBA, he's completely changed the look on how this how this league really runs. You know, and, and, and he's the type that will go for triple doubles, but he also does know when important shots are needed. That's the one difference that you can look at. I mean, you could look at Russell Westbrook and know how hyper-athletic he is and seeing how many times that he gets triple-doubles each night, but it really isn't specifically about statistics. And that is something that is going to be very, very important um, for Dallas moving forward. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see what's going to happen in the rest of the NBA um, the NBA bubble. But I do believe that there are a lot of teams that are going to be building up, and so um, this is going to be this is going to be interesting for sure. And finally, um, so last night's win for the San Francisco Giants over the LA Dodgers, 
Um, of course, Johnny Cueto had a uh, he had a no hitter bid going on, but unfortunately, that was spoiled by outfielder Hunter Pence after misreading the ball out in the outfield. I mean, I looked at that thing multiple times, and Hunter Pence. You usually never see that in an outfielder like that, especially one that has been in the league for so long. But that play alone is one you just can't explain in better terms. But that <laughs> I just look at it multiple times and I just I laugh because listen, I played baseball, also played in outfield. But once I see a play like that happen, there is no excuses in the end. You can't tell me that the second you misread that ball, you couldn't see it. Now, of course, there could have been a lot of things involved. Maybe the light was too bright or whatnot, and you couldn't really judge the ball in the outfield. But still, that should have been a catchable ball. But unfortunately, Cueto lost his no-hitter, and that was really the end of it. But the Giants still came away with the win at 5-4. Uh, so that was your hot press. So uh, joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show, and of course, you can also catch him on our show uh, on Monday. That is the Bench Report with EJ and Jake. You can catch it every Monday night uh, at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. EJ Bryan joining here on the spot on the, uh, the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard. So, EJ, we got a lot to talk about here, especially with how the NFL season is really, really starting to um, to shape up. Because you and I have been talking about it off the set um, about next month and what are some possibilities. You know, and I looked at the Colts. There are a bunch of teams that are out there that I looked at. Some, they, you know, there are not a lot of excuses for these teams. But there also are some that are built to the extent that is not just ready for this season. But they're ready for future seasons ahead. When I look at the Indianapolis Colts and the things that they've done through the offseason, I mean, they acquired DeForest Buckner. They ended up drafting Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, and a lot of players. What was the first initial reaction the second you ended up seeing some of these players coming in and what the future beholds for Indianapolis for years to come? Uh, hey, Jake, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, to answer your question, I mean, I'm seeing moves that, you know, I just didn't expect coming from Chris Ballard. I mean, when you look at, you know, trading the 13th pick, you know, away to get uh, DeForest Buckner, I mean, I thought we would probably go, you know, one of those stud wide receivers, you know, coming out for this draft. But, hey, you know, getting DeForest Buckner, you know, our line was just a weak point for our, you know, defense. And, you know, getting one of the best, you know, to just – you know, go in there and just win battles and stuff like that. We need it. And it really helps out our, you know, linebacker court. And I feel like our linebacker court is really strong. So they're able to just go in there and get tackles and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and it's, and just to kind of put on a side note, I mean, I look at DeForest Buckner and I look at Darius, at Darius Leonard, it kind of has a feel to me, like almost like a lot of these defensive duo teams that have, real good pass rushers, a real good linebacking core. And I feel like that that's the start of something special for Indianapolis, especially with Buckner and Leonard in um, in the near future. But that may be something we might see along the road that I think might actually end up elevating this defense and be a little bit more um, a little bit more tough to play against and hopefully something that might actually end up uh, elevating the secondaries as well. For sure. I mean – we see moves like that, you know, gain some leadership and Xavier Rose coming in our secondary. I feel like our secondary really, really needed help. So I feel like leadership is going to help that. And getting Michael uh, Pittman Jr. I mean, our receiving core has been injured for the past two seasons. I mean, T.Y. has been out a number of games and he's our best receiver, very underrated. And getting a tall wide receiver who can just jump up and get and catch the ball. I mean, that's we really needed that. And also getting Jonathan Taylor, I didn't think we'd really go running back. I mean, our running game was really strong, especially for Marlon Mack and and Naheem Hines and stuff like that. So, hey, strengthening your strength, I love that and stuff like that. So, hey, let's, you know, they were running it down, you know, team's throats last year. Let's, you know, let's do it more. EJ Bryan here from the Bench Report is joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. You know, I couldn't even agree more because the fact of, you know, Indianapolis is really – like – they got probably one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And the fact that they've get a real good running core with Marlon Mack and 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, speaks a lot of volumes of what their run game is going to look like in the near future. I mean, I'm going to enjoy watching Jonathan Taylor for years be that um, that powerful force in the run game. Um, but one thing that I do want to talk about is the guy who's playing under center, Philip Rivers. I mean, we know he's coming off of a very, very disappointing uh, 2019 campaign. The fact that People are starting to think, oh, is he eroding very fast? Like, is his age really kind of coming up? But we all know all throughout the years, he didn't have the offensive line as promised. And I do say that amongst being a Charger fan and seeing this all unfold. But now coming into a new atmosphere in Indianapolis, do you think this may be a much better redemption year for Phillip Rivers? And does he have... um do you feel like he he's sending a signal to a lot of a lot of people, like some fans, and even into the league? Hey, I'm still am capable of playing in this league. What was your thoughts on the signing? Um, when you look at Philip Rivers coming in, I mean, he was coming off you know a poor year, and it's just like people look at what the Chargers have. They have you know a really good receiving core. Keenan Allen's a top receiver, and when you throw that many interceptions, I mean, people just might might be like, hey, that's not a good signing, but. I mean, I think that, you know, he's with Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni. They have, you know, you know, he's coached Phil Rivers before. So, you know, he knows how he works and he can, you know, that system can really help Phil Rivers and stuff like that. So and beside, and behind that O-line, I think that, you know, it can give him, you know, time to throw. I mean, I think, that, you know, right now our receiving court isn't as good as the Chargers. But I mean, I think I think that they're still pretty decent and, you know, they can really help Phil Rivers out and our running game, too especially, you know, just tossing it off to Naheem Hines. I really think that can help him and just, you know, have a better season than what he had last year. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, he's the type of quarterback that is going to make any kind of system work. I mean, maybe it might not be to the extent of a Tom Brady type of system, but at the same time, I mean, you got Naheem Hines who is, you know, he's a catching type running back and is one that is, you know, like how he had in in uh, the Chargers where he had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Just small little screen passes here and there um, could definitely push this offense. But you're absolutely right. And only, only the season will bring us the questions of, will T.Y. Hilton stay healthy? And can Michael Pittman Jr. really fulfill the number two role as a wide receiver and really kind of take this team to a whole different level. And maybe this might elevate them, like as I mentioned, for future seasons. Because I feel like, and this has always been my thought, because Chris Ballard is always one that doesn't just look at the one season they're playing for. He looks for the seasons in the mere future that could potentially um, put Indianapolis on the map as an intimidating team, a playoff threat, and somewhere where maybe somewhere down the road they could be a championship team. And this this was one of the interesting moments for Chris Ballard because the fact of you have the Andrew Luck retirement, which was one that was a huge and heavy curveball that Indianapolis had to swallow and had to really kind of readjust. But now kind of looking in, do you feel like somewhere down the road the Colts may be the team that might actually push? And I'll just say this. Can they potentially push for an AFC championship, maybe somewhere in the near future? I think that, you know, you know, in the near future, they possibly can with Philip Rivers. I mean, you know, he's a great leader. And I think that, you know, with his experience, you know, he can guide this young team, you know, to a deep playoff run. But who knows, like, you know, with Philip Rivers, he might have a year or two left. So, I mean, you know, the future is just wide open on, on what the answer for quarterback will be. But I think that in the near future, Philip Rivers can lead them to an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, and only time will tell. And I, I think that would be exciting. And one that I'll just be like, you know, not hating at all. But you know what? It's a lot of respect for a guy like Philip Rivers. EJ Bryan from uh, the Bench Report joining me here on the show. So let's shift over now to the NBA. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, you've been talking an awful lot on the um, – on the Indianapolis, on the Indiana Pacers and TJ Warren, and once again, TJ Warren is starting to kind of fill in that role where he's really benefiting in this bubble, and he's really kind of you know uh, showing that intimidating presence to some of these teams, like what we saw in Philadelphia and so many others. Do you think somewhere down the road, as we kind of get closer into the playoffs, 
do you think Indiana, even with this bubble that's happening all around, you know, in, in all these teams that are represented in there, do you think Indiana might come out in the East as one that could potentially be one that no team whatsoever, like Milwaukee, Toronto, or uh, Boston should sleep on? I think that, you know, not this season, but maybe, you know, the season or two, I think that, you know, this team can really run the East. I mean, when we look at this team, I mean, I think they're really stacked. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, he handles the ball really well. He passes out really well. And I like that, you know, he's very clutch as a player as well. And Oladipo as well. I mean, Oladipo has hit very clutch shots. And, you know, he just isn't afraid to attack the basket. And, you know, his defense is really good and stuff like that. And, you know, we lost Sabonis. And Sabonis was one of our best players, you know. Very smooth post game, gets boards and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, this team is just really stacked. And I think that, you know, in a, when it's all together, I mean, this team has been like last year we lost Oladipo. You know, that really hurt us in the playoffs. And this year we lost the bonus. So I think that, you know, if this team can come together and be healthy, I think they can really run the East. Absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, I mean, especially for some of these teams in the Eastern Conference that we know are representing, I mean, Milwaukee, they've got Giannis, but the only big question is, is, is Chris Middleton really a legitimate number two um, on their starting five? Toronto, you know, Toronto, I feel like, you know, they're a team that I don't sleep on either, but I feel like that it's somewhere down the road because the fact of the matter is you don't have Kawhi this year. And this is one that they really had to prove a lot of people wrong, that they're still competitive. But I feel like it's nice to an extent, but then eventually somewhere it's not going to completely collapse, but it's going to end up slowly hitting Toronto somewhere down the road. And then you got Boston where, you know, Brad Stevens has complete control of the reins and Jason Tatum and so many others are really elevating up to this point. But this brings me to, a couple of teams I look at in the Eastern Conference. First of all, the Sixers. Because right now, Ben Simmons out indefinitely. The injury now has gotten to a point where it's now going to be surgery required immediately. What's your thoughts with the Sixers? I mean, because though I've said my piece on this. The process has not worked. And Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't quite work together on the floor. And you could see the chemistry issues that's happening even in the coaching staff. Do you think somewhere, you know, is this kind of something that's going to happen with Philadelphia that they may have a potentiality they're going to implode? I mean, I, I think that they do. I mean, this team, I mean, when we look at it, Ben Simmons as a player, he does not like to shoot the three at all. He likes yeah. to drive, pass out, and, you know, they have one of the bit best big man Joel Embiid I mean they I mean they clog up the floor when they're playing with each other and it just it forces Joel Embiid to shoot the three and stuff like that and it's just like uh, rather than him doing it but when we look at this I mean I think it's a lot of it blame goes to Brett Brown I mean Brett Brown has not figured a way to develop his players I mean Ben Simmons is just like the same player that he came in I, I feel like he hasn't really developed at all he hasn't developed a three game at all and it's just like mm. what are they going to do as a team I mean He's he hasn't developed like a lot of players. A lot of players turn out to be busts under his leadership and stuff like that. And it's just like I, I don't know what they can do in this playoff run. I mean, when we look at last year, Joel Embiid was like he played a game and then he was out the next game, and then he played a game. He was like a lot uh, out like every other game in the playoffs. I mean, can he can Joel Embiid play a, play a full series? I mean, only time will tell. So I think that you know there's going to be changes after this season coming up. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, when I look at Philadelphia, I mean, again, this process has never worked since day one and the chemistry is so off balance that you can just kind of see this is what's really pushed guys like Drew Holiday and Jimmy Butler and a lot of really good, important guys who I feel like can step in as leaders. But it's up to the point where now, like the head coaching job has not really tightened up uh, this group and is really kind of, you know, um, straighten them out to where they're playing you know they're playing at the right time and at the right pace and so without that involved now everybody's kind of playing at their own paces nobody's you know now a lot of these players are playing like they're uncoachable like they're only playing their own extent but uh so one thing that i do want to talk about and i talked about this earlier in the show is i look at portland right now 
And Portland really seems to be benefiting outside of Phoenix also in this bubble. But um, Portland for right now, what I look at, Damian Lillard has truly shown that outside of Steph Curry, he's one of the best shooters in the league. And he's got one of the best um, wing players in C.J. McCollum. When I look at Carmelo Anthony as of right now, I mean, Carmelo Anthony over the years from Denver to New York and to so many places, I've never, this was my thing. I never knocked on Melo because of his skills. I've never done that. But my only knock was the maturity level of, of Carmelo, which is why it had, um, it had lengthened the amount of contracts that uh, offers he was getting. I mean, he was to the point where he was close to retiring if he wasn't getting the contract. But Portland said otherwise. When you watch Carmelo Anthony on the floor for Portland, do you see a bit of his game and a bit of his um, his his judgment calls on the court now start to really change and really elevate to where now we're kind of seeing the best version of Melo on the floor? Yeah, I think he's changed. I mean, being forced out of a starting position and, you know, coming off the – you know, he has to – he's starting, but, I mean – just in a different role, he's not—he's not the alpha dog of the team. I mean, he's forced to do other things like getting rebounds, you know, playing better defense. I mean, Mel wasn't really known for his defense for you know most of his career, but coming in, you know, he has to play harder defense, and I like seeing that out of him. And it's yeah. just that I feel like you know we're seeing more like not like the killer instinct, but you know we're seeing like a lot of his game, you know, being a lot better coming in. And I just think that you know it's really benefiting Portland because of what Portland missed was that they're missing that guy can that that really can you know shoot for them i mean when they faced you know golden state last year i mean they were coming into the fourth quarter you know being very close to golden state but they just they just couldn't you know score and win win those games mm-hmm. last year so i think that Melo really helps them out absolutely and you know it, it, and this is why that i mentioned about portland because the fact of the matter is you're getting players healthy i mean yusuf nurkic is back being healthy um there are some interesting role players, but only to a certain extent of Portland um, can they really pop, even in this this time of where they're in the bubble and where they're really kind of showing up in the Western Conference because this is a stacked Western Conference. Um, and so uh, this will lead me to my last point before letting you go here, uh, EJ, but we definitely talked about this off the set and we started talking about a lot of these teams going in, potentially hitting the playoffs. We talk about the Lakers. We talk about the Clippers and a lot of these teams. And I'll tell you what. I mean, Dallas is really starting to show up very, very quickly. I mean, Luka Doncic last night against Milwaukee was a crazy thriller. Um, What are some teams real fast that are really going to stand out to you when we start to hit the playoffs? Which are the teams do you think that have already benefited through this bubble and may take it further to maybe potentially shooting for the NBA Finals? I mean, I like Houston, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, stuff like that, them coming together. I think that, you know, them as a scoring duo, they can really, you know, knock some teams out. And as well as when I look at the match, as you as you spoke, you know, Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, he's such a stud and that, you know, he can score, you know, he can pass and, you know, paired up with Porzingis. I mean, they can threaten some teams and stuff like that. And, you know, for – uh, you just asked for the Western Conference or like the Eastern Conference and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, e- yeah. Either okay. one of them. And I mean, I like Miami as well. I mean, Miami—they're just like Jimmy Bowler is the lead dog. You know, everyone just follows him. They just—they just attack, attack, attack. I mean, Bam has been having one of his best seasons. You know, coming into the league. And I like Tyler Harrow. You know, very good scorer coming off the bench. You know, and they just—they're just a stacked team. That I think that you know they're not afraid of any team in the Eastern Conference, and they can just go at them. So, you know, look out for Miami coming in. And I think the last team, hey, my Pacers are, you know, they're just – they're hot. I mean, T.J. Warren is just having, you know, some of the best games of his life. And, I mean, we got Oladipo back. You know, he's just looked strong, very strong along with Brogdon. I mean, I think we can throw in some teams too coming in. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch here. And one final point that I'll make as well, because, you know, we've been talking about the Lakers and stuff like that. And, you know, I really do love how LeBron James has really um, elevated his game in year 17. I mean, this is one that 
is really, really important to him. But the problem of it is that I have with the Lakers is outside of the starting five. They seem to be missing guys like Avery Bradley and a lot of these really good, important bench role role players because you can kind of see some of that um, elevate certain teams like the Clippers. They're stacked on their bench, and there are a bunch of them that have real good role players uh, coming off, get at least – Ten, you know, at least eight, 10 minutes on the floor and really, st- you know, really kind of um, showcase their skills as their important role players. When I look at the Lakers as of right now, I almost make it feel like they're a good team. But do you think somewhere down the road and especially during, you know, during playoff time and in the Western Conference, there may be somewhere down the road that they might be in trouble with that bench? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, when you look at it, this is really like their first year together. I mean, a lot of players, you know, these players haven't played together. I mean, they've had playoff experience, but they haven't, you know, played together as a unit. I mean, when you look at their bench, Caruso, this is really like Caruso's like, you know, first opportunity to really play and stuff like that. And KCP hasn't got that experience either. I mean, you know, I think they're really going to be tested in their first, you know, playoff, even though they have one of the be- some of the best players, LeBron James, you know, one of the, you know, the GOAT of basketball. And you have 80. I mean, 80, real, from looking at his playoff experience, the only time he's won a series was against CJ and Dame. When yeah. They, when they 4 owed them. I mean, it's crazy. So I think yeah. that, you know, that bench really, they haven't got that experience together, and they're just going to they're gonna be really tested. Mondays at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time is where you can catch the bench report with EJ and myself, Jake the Snake, as well. Um Definitely great to have you on, EJ. Would love to have you back on soon. And uh, you know what? Like I said, it's going to be an interesting year for the Colts. I'm very excited to see what adjustments have been made and see if it works to their extent. And hopefully we'll see something interesting with Indianapolis uh, or with uh, with Indiana. Um, definitely interested to see how the Pacers run in the Eastern Conference, but they're definitely a team I won't sleep on for sure. But Great to have you on here, EJ. Really do appreciate the time. Take care of yourself, and we'll uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jake. You know, anytime, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely no problem. EJ Bryan there from uh, The Bench Report. Love having him on. And like I said, you can catch our show on Mondays, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. Um, Man, what a great show that it has been today, you know, and and we were filled. We were stacked with a lot of stuff, um, but I feel like we've really kind of hit the important points. And like I said, you know, t- tonight, tonight is going to be the one last upset pick, and that is Columbus upsetting the Toronto Maple, Leaf, Maple Leafs, because I truly do believe that this team has been stacked with forwards and they haven't fixed their important components. Goaltending doesn't seem to be legitimate enough. And that is one that I feel like is going to be their utmost downfall in Toronto. But only time will tell from tonight. And you can definitely check it out tonight. Um, I believe it's either on uh, NBC or in one of the sports networks. But there's that. And then there's two round-robin games. And then we are officially starting the round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I will tell you this and kind of lean in closer. But it is going to be the ones that it's no excuses whatsoever the brackets there are finally filled everybody's got their respective teams that they are facing off against and it's going to be a wild roller coaster from here can't wait for it so thank you all for joining here on the snake sports talk show like i said like me on facebook follow me on twitter and instagram i'm live on a bunch of platforms i'm live on facebook live i'm live on twitter i'm also live on youtube as well Subscribe and hit the bell buttons on two of the YouTube channels, the Spotlight Sports Network, home of the Snake Sports Talk Show, and the Snake Sports Talk Show as well. Get notifications. Follow me more on the show. Can't get enough of it. Um, And also follow me on Spotify for all of the latest podcast episodes and all of the reviews in case if you missed today's and future uh, shows as well. Thank you all so much for joining in. Have a great Sunday. Have a great weekend and have a great week ahead. We will see you next Saturday at 7 a.m. Take care of yourselves.